Welcome to episode four of the Out of Sight Sports Podcast. My name is Josh Davis, and I'm here with Crawford Edwards to discuss some of the most important stories and headlines in the sports world. Let's get into the news. All right, first I want to talk about the current state of the Atlanta Hawks. As we know, Atlanta lost to the Nets in overtime, 132-128, to thanks to Kevin Durant, who had 32, and Harden, who had 31. It was a big night for the Brooklyn Big Three. Irving also added 26. The Hawks definitely had some chances in this game, but I just think there were some plays that could have gone either way, but just happened to go to the Nets. I think it just happened to be their night, Crawford. What you think? Yeah, there's really not much you can ask more out of them than what they gave last night, especially on defense, guarding the big three. I mean, how do you do that? You can't guard James Arden and Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving can get any kind of shot he wants. But that still, at the same time, there's definitely some real defensive questions like, Who's going to guard Jeff Green? Well, he got some wide-open dunks in that overtime period. So maybe that falls on John Collins. Maybe that falls up on coaching. I think Clint Capella should still be in there, even though he'd be guarding Jeff Green out on the perimeter. Still, Clint Capella would not have allowed that wide-open dunk. Yeah, you definitely have some great points. And I know Capella didn't do that great on the boards, but he still had 11, which is his 14th consecutive game. And we can't rely on him to get 20 rebounds every night like we saw in that run of quality games the Hawks just had. I think we also missed Rondo's presence on the court as well. Lloyd Pierce described the game as playoff basketball to reporters after. I think he is pretty spot on as two solid teams battle to the end. But these teams just don't play the defense they need to at times. And we've seen it with Atlanta. What do you think about that description from Pierce Crawford? I think it's definitely the playoff intensity that we saw last night. That, that was real. Um, you know, we've been on a slump for a few games, but we're back to the beginning of the season where we were really on a roll and definitely saw some intensity that we haven't seen in quite a few games. We were playing for a ser- season series. You know, we'd already played twice and split those games, one loss, one win. And that made us very familiar with each other. I think we had mutual respect for each other's talents. And that's not really something you've seen from uh, opponents when playing Atlanta, but the Nets really showed up to play last night. Anyways, let's talk about the bright spots. Cam Reddish had a breakout game last night, even though he was given the daunting task of guarding Kevin Durant at times, scoring a season-high 24 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 steals, shooting a solid 52% from the field. That's a great leap for Reddish, who has been struggling, averaging 12.7 points on 37% shooting. It was great to see Reddish have an impact on both sides of the floor, especially on defense with two steals for a squad struggling so much on defense. Let's also talk about DeAndre Hunter. What an excellent sophomore season he is having. Crawford, tell me what you see out of Hunter right now that has made him be able to take this next step. Well, I'd like to add real quick that Cam Reddish came off the bench and he played with full energy like just a kid on the basketball court. And that was beautiful to see because he really improved his form in every aspect of the game. And so is DeAndre Hunter. I mean, talk about someone who's really been working hard. And his fundamentals are really key, especially on defense. He's becoming an extremely valuable defensive piece. Guarding wings in the NBA is a very special talent, especially when you have someone like Kevin Durant and James Harden on the court. He did a fantastic job, or as good of a job as you can guarding those two, because let's be honest, that's even much easier said than done. But his shooting has improved. His mid-range, is he just feels so natural. Yeah, I totally agree. It's great to see guys like DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish 
having fun out there, you know. And, I mean, really the whole team just seems to be having a great time. Absolutely. And I think what doesn't get discussed enough is Trey's energy and ability to incorporate the whole team. Why? Because of his youthfulness and living up to his name, Young, just plays the game of basketball to have fun. And everyone on the court can feel that energy around him. That's why he tweets every day, keep the same energy. And when he's playing good, he's having his most fun games. Well said. Next, I want to talk about the Kevin Porter situation. As we know, Porter Jr. became angry when he saw the Cavs had moved his locker for newly acquired forward Tarian Prince, who came over in a four-team trade with the Brooklyn Nets earlier this month. Porter began to reportedly start yelling and throwing food or something. After the tirade, Porter was then traded to the Rockets, which I think was a nothing-to-lose move for the Rockets. Porter is only 20 years old, and it's understandable how he got frustrated with his role, but because until he got into the NBA, he was always the best player on his team, now he has to make that adjustment and develop into the player he can be. He can't even drink a beer yet, but as a pro he has to know better. I think the Rockets could really benefit from his ability as a swingman, potentially opening up, opening up early chances to contribute to the rotation. With seasoned vets John Wall, Victor Oladipo, Eric Gordon, and DeMarcus Cousins, Porter will have the opportunity to learn from true professionals who could potentially help address his off-the-court concerns that have plagued his young career. Speaking of Houston, I think the Harden trade actually worked out very well for the Rockets in their future. What do you think, Crawford? Yeah, I think it worked out as realistically as good as it can get for the Houston Rockets because, you know, when you trade someone like Harden, you're not going to get equal return. But they got four picks and four pick swaps and a bunch of good players. John Wall is really turning out to have a break breakout or, you know, more of a comeback season. And that's really special to see because, you know, he tours a Achilles. And it's been about two years since we've seen him play this well. DeMarcus Cousins is also a feel-good story. He's been struggling with injuries, but, you know, at least he's still playing in the NBA. And Victor Odifa, you know, before he got hurt, we were kind of looking at him like Paul George before he got hurt. They were both on the Pacers, and they were throwing down some amazing dunks. But unfortunately, their careers parallel a little bit with the injury. But now we can see all these players back, and that's the chance for Kevin Porter Jr. to grow around all this talent. Let's talk about some news around the NFL real quick. Great news for Washington football team coach Ron Rivera, who was declared cancer-free after a checkup Thursday, according to tweets from his wife, Stephanie, and daughter, Courtney. That's just fantastic news, man. Ron Rivera is really just a special human being. Not only did he coach his team to win the division and go to the playoffs, he did this in COVID season after coming off of chemo and radiation where his white blood cells didn't have the ability to fight off infections like COVID. And he had all these obstacles in front of him, and yet he's still universally loved and respected by his players and other coaches and the media. It just doesn't get better. Yeah, that really is just so awesome for Coach Rivera. But anyways, Chiefs coach Andy Reid is disappointed that his offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy was not given an NFL head coach opening for the third straight year, which I think is crazy considering he put together one of the most, if not the most, dynamic offenses in the history of the NFL. If I was him, I would stay there and keep winning Super Bowls. What you think, Crawford? 
I think he's an incredible, incredible prospect as a head coach. And I've heard a lot of reasons brought up why he hasn't been hired yet. One being stuff in his past that's kind of dark. Others being that he doesn't quite meet the credentials as a head coach. He's a coordinator, doesn't call plays. But there are lots of coaches that didn't call plays that became head coaches. Either way, whatever way you want to draw it up, we were scratching our heads as to why he was not given the head coach position. Yeah, I'm, I can't believe it at all, man. He's one of the best offensive minds in football. Definitely a top five, in my opinion, in the game. The last topic I want to talk about is definitely the biggest sports-related headline right now. Deshaun Watson has obviously demanded a trade from the Texans after they clearly wasted a year of his prime, where we saw him lead the league in passing yards with 4,823. Despite throwing 33 touchdowns and only seven interceptions, the Texans won an awful 4-12. and this is even after the organization traded their prolific number one receiver in DeAndre Hopkins last offseason. I know you have some strong opinions on the Deshaun Watson situation right now, Carl, considering you have free Deshaun Watson in your Twitter name. Tell me what you think about the situation transpiring right now in Houston. Yeah, I do have that in my Twitter name, but he deserves it because he is great and that, that place stinks. I've been to Houston a few times. It's a great place. So it's not that the city stinks. The franchises do. Uh, just like the Rockets and James Harden collapsing. But this time, I don't think Watson's being a diva at all. That's another conversation. The, the Texans have been arguably the worst-run franchise recently, first trading his best teammate and number one weapon. Watson's been treated poorly the past few years, but now the Texans are trying to do all they can to appease him. But they should have thought of that years ago. From a playoff team to a four-win team, we are witnessing his prime years being wasted, and I don't know how a franchise could screw everything up this quickly, this badly. He's a, undoubtedly a top-tier talent. Give him a team with some weapons, and he'd be in more elite quarterback discussions that the media loves to have. I'd love to see him prosper on the playoff team with weapons and more protection, but he could end up anywhere, like a trade for Matthew Stafford or something. No one knows, but seriously, many teams would rather have him over what they have now. Where could you see him going? Um, honestly, the Watson sweepstakes is getting really interesting, and there's about 26 teams that could probably use him. And Watson has a no-trade clause, so he has significant say in where he ends up. I'm going to bring up four possible places we could see Watson in this offseason. First, I'm going to go with the Dolphins. The Dolphins have first-round picks at number 3 and number 18 and second-round picks at number 36 and number 50. Miami also has all of its high picks in the drafts beyond 2021. Watson also said he liked the culture Flores has instilled in the Dolphins. So, there is potential in a trade with Watson ending up in Miami, as many sources are predicting. But, the question is, will they already give up on Tua? I think he has a bright future despite some late-season struggles. Another place is the New York Jets. The Jets have picks at number 2, 23, and 34 in this draft and own two first-round picks in the 2022 draft including one from Seattle. Third place is the New York Giants. Dan Orflosky suggested that the Giants pick up the phone and offer Saquon Barkley and three first-round picks, but I don't know how realistic that is, given how much of a franchise player Barkley has the potential to be. He's a beast. And the last possible destination is the 49ers. ESPN writer Bill Barnwell suggested a crazy but interesting trade. Barnwell proposed a potential three-way deal bringing Watson to the 49ers, in the hypothetical trade, the 49ers would send this year's first-round pick, 12th overall, 
2022 first round pick and a 2022 second round pick to the Texans. Then trade Garoppolo and safety Tavarius Moore to the Jets. And to be clear, I do not think these are the most likely destinations for Watson because there are about 26 that could use him, like I said. But those are four interesting ideas, in my opinion. Yeah, I like all those places. They sound really good for him in one way or another, the franchise and for him. He could go anywhere, though, honestly. But one thing's for sure, he's not going to be a Texan. Yeah, I think anybody who's relatively reasonable whatsoever does not see Watson back in a Texans uniform next season. But believe it or not, per the athletic, newly hired Texans GM Nick Casero said Friday afternoon that the team has zero interest in trading Deshaun Watson. He must not really be the kind of guy who's aware of his surroundings. If Watson's anger scale is a 10 out of a 10, like they are saying, there's absolutely no way he comes back a Texan. Get real. I don't give a damn if their new coach, David Coley, wants Watson to be a Texan. Jack Easterby and the entire front office are completely wasting his prime. And this isn't a middle-of-the-road quarterback. It's Deshaun Watson we're talking about here. He should want to get the heck out of Houston where they are ruining his prime years. Honestly, shame on them. Yeah, they clearly don't know what they're dealing with here. He's a grown-ass man, and he can make his own decisions. And, of course, they want him to be a Texan. Who wouldn't want Deshaun Watson on their team? So, what's the motive here? What game are they playing? Does it make any sense at all? I mean, if they're trying to get trade value out of him, that doesn't really make sense either, because he's about as valuable as you can make him. He's a very special player. So, who knows what they're up to? Yeah, I completely agree with all those points. But with that being said... That's just about everything we have for today's show. Thanks again for tuning in to Episode 4 of the Out of Sight Sports Podcast. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify if you have a subscription to it, or you can download the Google Podcast app for free on your device's application store and find us on there as well. See you next week for Episode 5, and have a great weekend.